and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, don't take a drink right as soon as you're about to say your name. I saw I I appreciate that you waited, but I saw you were just about to take a big old glug as soon as that Well, I need coffee to deal with you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you were so nice prior to I mean people watching on Twitch can see like how friendly we were, and then as soon as the camera goes on, it's like, let me tell you why I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> No, I just need to stay awake for this. I, I'm doing this. For, I'm explaining that for your benefit, so that way everyone everyone who listens to the audio and doesn't watch us live <laughs> understands that you're not actually as crazy as you portray. <laughs> I'm not that crazy. You just bring it out of me. Anyway, so yeah, that was that was an awkward <laughs> segue here. Speaking of how angry I make you, <laughs> today's episode Ugh. is a really... Uh, oh, wait, I, can, I need to add a game in this yeah, list. Yeah, right. We, this this list was an interesting topic for us. What we wanted to talk about was the games that elicit uh, the biggest emotions from mm-hmm. us. And, and when I proposed this idea, I explained very specifically, it could be any emotions, but yeah. which, one, which games bring out that emotion, emotion the yeah. best, whether intentionally or not. I stuck with intentional on all of mine. Um, that that all all eight of mine. Some some are some are intentional. Back. Some are just like it's something that. Um, some of it is just like it's a Pavlovian response. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So they're they're <laughs> right. Exactly. The base, based on the game itself. Yeah. Right? It's like which we've talked about in previous episodes of like games that we do and don't like. Like I wouldn't put Architects of the West Kingdom on here because I hate it so much. Yeah. Because that. The but game it doesn't, isn't designed for me to hate it. But it's, it's supposed an emotion. To it does. You're right, and and there are some that are a little loose, looser fit than <laughs> others on my list. Yeah. But yeah, mostly there are the intended emotions for this. There is one very big exception to that, and I'm going to explain that when it gets to it. But the reason why I thought this would be a fun list, I think you probably agree for me. I and feel free to disagree if you, if you if if you do, of course. But the reason I like this idea of a list is that, you know. The activities, movies, games, media, all this stuff is supposed to bring out like, emotions and responses yeah. from the player. And I know I'm not the most thematic gamer, of course, but out of all of the games I play, every once in a while when it hits me really, I'm like, man, like this, this did yeah. exactly what it was trying to do. I feel like a lot of gamers really appreciate that idea. And hopefully this will give some ideas to people who are looking for that like well, in that you, style. You, I don't know if you put this on your list, and this may be a thing, but you mentioned it before off the podcast that there's a specific game that is supposed to showing like during wartime mm-hmm. because uh, it's part of your uh, game or, like promos and stuff like that you got. Right. That game is made specifically to elicit right. a response. Exactly, and like um, a good example, uh, yeah, this war of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't want that, to mention the name if it was right. on your list. No, it's not on my list because I haven't played it. These are all games I've played. Okay. Um, from what I understand, though, about all the reviews that I've heard about uh, this war of mine, it was based off the video game or something, yeah. it's supposed to be just like an overwhelming dread of just terrible, terrible wartime. Like, and it, it's kind of realistic. And that, from what I understand from all the reviews, that definitely succeeds in what we're talking about today. But yeah, I, again, you mentioned it before the podcast, and that's true. It's it's something that is made specifically to right. elicit a response. There is one game on my list that is probably at the bottom of my list, my, like higher on the list, because it is made to induce what it is doing. Interesting. <laughs> so I wonder, with that being said, how many crossovers do you think you and I are going to have? None. 
You think zero? Zero. I think we might have one. No. And and as soon as I say one of them, you'll be like, you'll probably, th- if it's not on your list, you'll be like, I should have thought of that. And you'll see what I mean, because it's there. There, there is one that I think may get it, because I've heard you mention it, and okay. it is on my list as well. But I don't know if you put this on your list. We'll find out. Yep. This will be exciting. But before we get into that, um, this episode is going to be slightly different, because in our tardiness of coming up with this topic, <laughs> um, I came up with it about three hours ago. Yeah, roughly. Uh, and, let you, and let you know. So we haven't made a Facebook post. Normally, we would like to hear... Um, Another reason being is because we also want to like kill a little bit of time on this, right. not let it be as long as it normally is, right. because there's something else that we want to do after we film this episode. Exactly, exactly. So I brought all the games in the car. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but we... Yeah, you're right. And so we want to clarify that. So if you have any that you want to include to this list, uh, by all means, like on the comments below or whatever, however you're listening to it, if mm-hmm. you're on YouTube, comment below. We want to hear what you think about games that elicit emotion. I might still make the Facebook post just because I kind of want to see what people say because this is a really different idea. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you. And it would be interesting just to hear what people say, but yeah. just... We, we have a lot to and, the, we have yeah. a lot to do for the next couple of weeks because exactly. you're getting ready to go on a trip. We can, we can always come back to it too, yeah, yeah. And, and talk about the responses. But with that being said, Daniel, what have you been playing lately? All right, so I have four games written out, and mind you, we've done the, something new on our last topic debate as well that we're adding this, but only two games on that list, just to you know help us clear out because we've been playing a lot of games lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, every Wednesday with us, you do something every Friday. Yep. I do something every other Saturday. Yep. Um, I don't think we're doing anything this week because of the 4th of July situation with the, the dogs. Darn. Well, no, it's just because our dogs, the fireworks. Right. I That's <laughs> true. I just recently adopted a new dog. And yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> but judging by today, I took him outside and a really loud motorcycle drove by. Yeah. He didn't even seem to care at all. So yeah. maybe... We, we have we'll one see. that's terrified of them. Yeah. We're just hoping the, the new puppy, because we haven't done any fireworks with him, right. how it's going to work with him. Yeah. He doesn't that's seem fair. to be like freaked out about loud, no- loud noises. He is more freaked out if one of our other dogs bark outside. He'll come inside and be like, no, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> but other than that. So, that's a great... What I've been playing... Mm-hmm. So I am going to start with a game that I've talked about before, and I think you've talked about it, I think, last week as well during the Top 8 debate. And this is The Initiative. This is the one I was telling you that there's a bit of sadness in this. Yeah. Because we finished it. It's you over. Finally finished. I, see, I thought you had finished it a few weeks ago, but... No, we we had a couple more um, sessions, I think like two or three more sessions. Right. And so we just played them out... Um, Last Saturday. Wow. And I have to say, I enjoyed the game. The ending for us wasn't all that great. Okay. But uh, And then we also went and looked back at the other endings because you can't really go through that story again. You can't. Because of the, unless you buy a whole new game and stuff like, because the shock's over, the shock value is over, because sure. it just, it forces you, whether you win or lose, to go on. Right. And we understand why, what happened. And so, I'll just tell you right out, we lost okay. the very last game. Oof. <laughs> and so... That's always tough. And it's just like, you lost the initiative. <laughs> what they tell you at the for when you lose the initiative. That's funny. And then it tells you, like, well, you can still play the game. There's actually right. scenarios in the game that you can just do to, you know, keep playing the game. Right. But it's not... The, the campaign's over. And so... Right. 
uh, that's that's a little sad for me. I'm glad I can still play the game because there's there's a certain aspect of the game when you get to it, and you'll see why I said we just went ahead and looked back at it because the surprise is over. Right. So, right. but other than that, I've really really adored uh, adored this game. It's really really fun. Um, enjoyed a mess of it. So much so that I just picked up the the sequel, but it's not really a sequel. No, it's, it's totally a different game. Same company, same designer, uh, totally different game. But I was like, I like this one a lot. I'm hoping I like this one just as much. Corey Kaniska is one of my favorite designers. Right. So I picked it up. But yeah, the initiative, it's, like I said, it's a bittersweet. We really enjoyed the game. The end was a bit anticlimactic for us. Yeah. And no, it had some really good stuff. And we messed up on like the last thing you can do. And then right. the time ran out on us. Wow. So <laughs> that's what See, happened. And, and, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, like, legacy and campaign games and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, like, because building up to a final game and having it be something you lose cooperatively, mm-hmm. that's such a bummer after all of that effort. Yeah. I almost wonder if it would be worth, like, designers, like, almost kind of throwing well, a softball video, at the last chapter. But the thing is, too, like, with video games, you can reset and play... The final round again and try to beat it. Yeah, but... But, but I, I get but, what you're saying. But it's but, the same thing. Like, you spend all that time, mm-hmm. and you've revealed the story, and then it's like, oh, look, final boss mode, and you lose. And it's like, I spent all of that effort into yeah. it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I almost yeah. wonder if it's worth throwing a softball for the sake of the well, story. Well, that, that's, a, that's a different uh, topic. But when I finished uh, Pandemic Le- Legacy Season mm-hmm. 1, that was a bit anticlimactic, too. Right. And that one, we won. It's just that, that final game yeah. was just kind of like oh we do this we do this do it was kind of just going here. through the motions right more than actually playing the game right that makes sense so it's just it's it's a catch-22 i don't know it's hard for everybody well, when we completed uh, jaws of the lion that was actually it felt like we had closure within this right. one is just kind of like oh we lost oh well yeah but all in all initiative great game i highly recommend it for everybody very cool uh, my first one was the one I actually played most recently. I played it uh, two days ago at, at a shop down in El Paso. I had some time in between some playtesting I was doing. Lindy and, shop, huh? Yep, yep. Game Vault. Game Vault. Give him a shout out. Yep. Go check it out. And uh, a friend of ours, uh, Nate, he came and joined. He came and joined me and hung out for a while. And so in between the playtests, I was able to get in a couple games with him. Uh-huh. And this one has been on my radar for a long time. You know, I've heard good things. I've purposefully never looked into it because I figured I'd probably enjoy it. Okay. And it's a midweight Euro. Yokohama. That is currently no longer in print at the moment. Oh, that's right. That's right. This is the one we're getting mixed up with. Yido. Yes. (laughs) Now, I finally played Yokohama. How is it? It was really cool. So, (laughs) let's tell you how it works. So, it's essentially a worker placement, but you only ever have one worker, right? Um, but you're sending out like little workers at the same time. They're cubes, and you could put out either two on the same space or uh, one or up to three of them in different spaces. Okay. And that matters for two reasons. When you put out these cubes, your main worker, which is your pawn, he, he can only travel from any spot to any spot that has a cube. Okay. Right? Assuming they're all connected and they're yeah. just laid out in like a pyramid style. So if I want to move from this spot of the board to that side of the board, I have to have cubes at least along those. Then, when you finally stop on the spot, you can you can take an action there. And you can take an action up to five power. And what I mean by that is that each of your cubes counts as one power, your pawn counts as one power, 
And uh, if you build a building, those also count as a power. Okay. So let's say I built a building on a previous spot where it gets me fish, for example. Okay. And I move two cubes over there because I already have cubes going there. Jump my pawn over there. I have a house, my pawn, and two cubes. I have a four power ability on that spot, which okay. will probably be approximately about four uh, of that resource. Resource, yeah. And there's a bunch of different resources, and some are more rare than others, like copper mines are way... You have to do a minimum three just to get one copper, you know, so it's really tough to do it. But then when you take that action, all of the cubes that were on it, you remove back. So that's simple enough. You basically are just contract fulfillment, right? Yeah. You're just trying to... You're trying to gather the resources, fulfill contracts. Here's where it gets interesting, though. There's okay. two extra tracks on the contract. Um, a lot of contracts will get you import uh, pieces. Those pieces can also be traded in for bonus spots on the top. Ooh, yeah, it's expensive, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're just checking the second-hand market right now. Oh, boy. That's all right. They'll, it'll probably get reprinted. Obviously. Well, yeah, that's what I was looking up to see if yeah. so, I thought someone picked it up because... Uh... Well, Renegade has been picking up a lot of Tasty Minstrel. Yeah, that's but, what I was thinking. Like Crusaders and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Eminent Domain, I think. But, um, but what I was saying, though, is that when you go to these spots, though, like there's technology where you can bump okay. up technology, and uh, there's the religion track where you can go up on, on the, um, on the church or the cathedral or whatever. Okay. And I definitely played the the game of you know fulfilling contracts. That was my big thing. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonus here and there. And what's cool is whenever you do a four or a five level bonus or a contract, no uh, action, four or five level action, is that you get the option to build a building there if you don't already have one. Okay. But then you can also, uh, you have to get them off of your board by going to another spot, <laughs> and then those will let you go for those. But then each of your little uh, stores that you can build onto there, your buildings, those cost two coins each. Because coin is another resource that's not used for contracts. Okay. But then there's also bigger ones, there's like warehouses or something, that, that cost, the first one costs four, then five, then six, and seven. So okay. it increases the more you have. And those go on the construction spots in addition to the stores, also count as a bonus worker, and are worth crazy amounts of points. <laughs> so it's like, there's a lot of give and take in this, and it's super neat. And all of the cards that you deal out, okay. you, you deal a card to each of those tiles, and that shows its construction spot. And so each of the construction spots, when you build a store on one of those, you can get bonuses like other resources or victory points or etc. It's neat. There's a lot of working components. Um, at first, you know, it. I wouldn't say it's a heavyweight euro. It's definitely mid-weight. Okay. Maybe even on the lighter end, even though there's a lot to consider, a lot going on. Okay. It does a really good job of just like, oh, literally all you're doing is putting out some cubes, going to those spots, building the routes, if yeah. you will. Um, temporary routes, and then taking the action, which accelerate depending on how you take the action. Really satisfying to play. I I will likely look at this in the future when it's dropped down from however many that was. <laughs> well, I was thinking it's uh, something that we can look for next time we do a, a calling. Yes, absolutely. Um, I will definitely look for it because that was a really fun game, and I think you'd have a blast playing it. Uh, it's something I've been looking into. I've yeah. heard really good things, but when I heard uh, Tasty Minstrel went on, I looked at the aftermarket, and it's already went up another $100. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> hard to play. Glad I got the chance to play it, though. But that was uh, Yokohama by Tasty Minstrel Games. Rest in peace. All right, so moving on to my next game, my number two game that I played, or my number three if you're going top to bottom. So, whatever, it's the third game. Uh-huh. Um, this is one that you and me both played. 
and we, you had just recently bought it. Last week, uh, we had our game night, but it was only you and me showed up. Yep. And so, we went, I went over to your house, and we, you bought, brought out a bunch of two-player games. Yeah. And this one is by far one of my favorite two-player games I've ever played. I really like this one a lot. I don't know why, but I'm getting hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> and this one is So You've Been Eaten. Yep. This was really good for a two-player game. Well, actually, zero to two. Zero to two-player game. Be clear on that. <laughs> yeah. It's zero to two. And he'll explain it what it, here in a minute. But sure. it's basically um, your uh, character... One of the characters is a miner who's going into a creature's stomach to mine gems out of it and that creature is trying to digest the miner one player plays the creature the other player plays the miner um or if you're playing solo you play either side against the ai or and double ai yeah you can play the ai versus ai yes. <laughs> so that's why it's zero to two but it's crazy what it does um there was a part where I was getting a little annoyed by it because I thought once it got up there it was just it's one of my in-game goals because I played the creature, and then you explain why or no uh, you were telling me why I'm like oh well, I guess that makes sense but yeah. it just it's weird to me because it's one of my in-game goals right. and then we found a card in there that is like hey if this happens you instantly win right. no matter exactly. what and they're like so we found that, that there's actually a fourth level of in-game <laughs> trigger it's yeah. Like, like, yeah, there's all these annoyance cards that, like, you could deal with, and if you get five of them, you win. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the ones that really, like, I need to focus on, I'm going to get rid of anyway. Yeah. But I was like, I can let them build up, and then you played one that was like, if this is still here, or if this If this is here, here, they get to the third level at the end of your turn, I win. Yeah. And I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> it was oh, good no. because he would be, he would be able to upgrade, <laughs> a miner would be able to upgrade his stuff really quickly. Yep. But by playing cards up there, it makes you waste your turns and basically try to, you know, yes. attack those things up there. And that made sense then, especially when that I right. win card came out and I almost won because and those of those bacteria that. are just constantly yeah. coming, too. And so there's, the end game for you, if you're playing the minor, is eight gems. you got to yes. get eight gems and you win. I have to either get five of my special cards, the one we were talking about, mm -hmm. up there, or one of my bacteria needs to get all the way to the top, or we found out there's cards that are instant wins. Right. And then, of course, if nobody wins by the end, then... then most points. Most points, which is a different one. Different yeah, because uh, the end game is... When your deck runs out. Yeah, when my deck runs out. Which the... The main deck, the, the stomach, because there's two decks if you're playing the creature. Right. You have... One where you're kind of playing, I think this is the yeah, one that's going to hit the, you. The intestine track. Yeah. Uh, because it allows you to move your bacteria up a couple times if it's in a bonus right. one that hits. And so, yeah, it was a really good game. I really liked it. I liked the tight play. Some of the stuff made sense as you were going. I would love to play this one again. It's a Scott Alms game by... What's uh, Ludo Creations, yeah. I think. It's or really, yeah, it's really good. I have one complaint. Those really nice crystal bits suck. Yeah, they're super <laughs> nice, but really bad at the same time. Yeah, they're they're not colorblind friendly, and I just realized we don't have the extra light up. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they're colorblind friendly, Ish. but functionally well, you, they don't work. Well, not just because... that. You actually have to pick up the piece and look inside of it to yes. see actually what it is, because the shape doesn't really fit. Right, because the... So it's made out of plastic, clear mm -hmm. plastic, and this these plastic pieces are so thick... And it's only printed on the bottom side. And yeah. it's, it's printed in reverse. So that way, if you look at the bottom, you don't really tell what it is. Yeah. You actually have to look down Pop into down, the plastic. Yeah. 
And which is why you have to pick it up and look at it. And yeah, like it's really cool pieces, but at the same time, functionally, we were considering changing out for the cardboard. Yeah. I'm glad they still had the cardboard <laughs> yeah. pieces. Another thing I liked about this game, too, is that even though there's luck in the game, yeah. it's on both sides. It's yes. it's not just as lucky for me as it is for you, right. because you have to deal with dice rolls, mm-hmm. whereas I have to deal with draw cards. I don't know what's coming up. My thing is I can put things in the track, but your dice rolls allow you to make things move up, making it easier for you to mine and stuff yeah, like that. So there's cards. a lot of mitigation. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's by far one of the best two-player games out there. And I wow. don't play a lot of two-player games. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel is still one of my favorites. Yep. I love Fox in the Forest for uh, two-player trick-taking. Yeah. But this one's up there. It's it's climbed into the top five of all the two-player games. You know what I've noticed? Out of all of the two-player games that there are, mm-hmm. the ones that you tend to dislike is the ones where there's a board in between the two players and you're playing to either side of the board. I, no, and that's not true, because I, I really like the, the Stefan Feld one that has that little tug-of-war. The Oh, that's true. The smear um, campaign. Yeah, Revolution 8, Yeah, 1828 or, or something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, Some that one's fine. 1800s yeah. here. It's, it's a smear campaign, a little tug-of-war. Tug-of-war's fine. It's just, uh, and right, I don't know if you put true. it on your list, but there was another game that we played that I had issue with, and yeah, there was a board in between us, and we were playing on either side. I don't want to... I did not. You did put it... Okay, so yeah. it's called Daxu. Yeah. And so my issue with that one, it's, mind you, it's partially bluffing, because you're trying to get into the other player's mind. And right. sometimes that's fine, This, but at this point... It hurts the second player if he doesn't have the tiebreaker, and I'll tell you why. Because our first turn jumped me three ways down, and so mm-hmm. even though the next round I would have been tiebreaker, it doesn't matter because I'm three ways down. So I'm trying to move myself up and get stuff done, but if you keep force-feeding me cards, there's a point where I have to start trying to give right. you cards, and you know I have to try giving you cards because I can't have too many of one card, right. or you're getting scored for each card on that side, right. depending on how many times I beat you. If I'm always away from the tiebreaker and unable to get to that tiebreaker, and we're playing the same things over and over again, mm-hmm. then there's no mitigation for me. I'm stuck, especially if someone's just kept feeding me cards and feeding me cards. Right. Because at that point, I think our final score was like 8-2, to two, and it's because once you go down that negative track, you lose points. And so... If I have no way of mitigating and getting off that track, if I'm force-fed stuff that forced me down that track, and there was a point in that game where it was almost all the way down that track. Yes. And it's not because of anything I did, because there was a point where I had to start giving you cards, and you knew it. Right. So that that was my issue with Daxu. I understand that. And I'm, I'm not going to get into an argument, but like there... Uh, those four action cards give you a way to mitigate it. Yeah, they give like, you a way to mitigate it, but there's a point where I can't mitigate it because, again, there's a point where I have to start giving you cards, and once you realize I'm giving you cards, right. you can block it every situation, especially if it goes, okay, we played the same card. Well, you know what? It's a tiebreaker. I win. Not, no, because you're higher on the, the tiebreaker. The reason track. I say that is because tiebreaker doesn't matter for um, the... The reversal card, the one that changes my action. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm trying to give you a card, if you are able to time it and play 
the reversal card. Yeah, but you yeah. couldn't go lower on the track because you're already on the bottom. Yeah, but and therefore that, I would have taken the cards. Yeah, but there's a point where it's just it's right. common knowledge, and then you, you're, I'm like, okay, if he does this, he's going to do this, right. and he's going to do this. I know I'm not going to win you over. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> no, but it's very. I enjoyed it legitimately. Despite how how much you disliked it? It's legitimately to the point, and we're talking about illicit emotions. So here we go. Yeah. Right to the point where I can't mitigate it, and it, it sucks because the, yeah, there was times where I was forcing ties, and you would have to take some cards mm-hmm. but it wasn't enough to get me out of the hole right and that was the big issue is like no matter what i can't get out of that hole no matter how much yeah, i you try felt it snowballed yeah yeah gotcha and that well that's not what we <laughs> i mean we did play that so feel free to talk but yeah. uh, i played but, we played the other one that was really good so you've been yeah, eating so you've been eating anywho <laughs> my number three that i want to talk about was um, a surprisingly simple game, but really enjoyable. And it's by Leo Colavini that I just recently got uh, from one of our Bookman's runs, I think. No, we got was it, we got it from the... Albuquerque. Yeah. Yes. And um, it's called Cartagena. No, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to play it with uh, a group of three other people. So we played it as four players. Okay. The idea of the game is that you lay out a, a, a track. This track has six different generic pirate symbols. I mean, like a... A uh, flat, a uh, cask of rum, um, a, a parrot, a sword, a gun, you know, like just generic stuff. Right? Basically like a pirate game. Yeah, it, it is absolutely a pirate thing. Because okay. you're trying to escape, uh, you're all pirates and you're trying to escape first. Okay. So you have a team of six pirates. First one to get all six of your pirates through the track and onto the boat at the end wins. Okay. Um, so it's not points or nothing. It's just whoever gets the first six done. Okay. And so you lay out these the six of the eight tiles out to make the track and have random order of of what which symbols show up where. Mm-hmm. What makes it interesting is you have a bunch of cards that are that match that symbol or those symbols. I think it's like ninety something cards, maybe. Um, the way the game works is to move forward, you play any one of the symbols, and you go to the next version of that symbol from whichever pirate you're moving okay. that is unoccupied. Okay. So let's say if I play a lantern and you're on a lantern and I'm on the second lantern, I jump all the way to the third lantern. Oh, jeez. So, and we've had where we almost jumped to the end of... There, there was one situation where somebody played a card and actually jumped from the beginning to the end because <laughs> there, there was no more of those symbols. And that was amazing. So you either do that, um, you play three actions on your turn, and that is one of the actions, is you play a card, move any one of your pirates to the next unoccupied spot. That's important, it's unoccupied. Okay. The other action you can take is you can move any one of your pirates to an unoccupied spot. So you move as far back as you need to to get to an unoccupied spot, and then you draw cards. If the spot that you move it to had one other pirate, you draw one card. If you move it back to a spot that had two other pirates, you draw two cards. Mm-hmm. And if it's three or more, you just simply cannot go there. Okay. So your choice is either play a card to move or jump backwards to draw cards. <laughs> and you do three actions on your turn. Turns are super fast. Really smart game. So much dynamic of like jumping forward, jumping backwards, like flying around. Because of course you don't want to move far, like Too far forward. back. Yeah, yeah. You want to jump like halfway across the board and then move back a space to get a card or yeah. get cards and draw refill your hand. 
That's it. No, no. It's simpler than Ticket to Ride, even. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Simpler than Ticket to Ride. Functionally really good game. It has some variants in there that we didn't end up playing, but we just wanted to play the base. Really functionally, an awesome game, and I want to show you soon because it's really quick. Maybe like a 20-minute game. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that one sounds more intriguing than Dax you. <laughs> well, now it does, right? <laughs> Speaking of pirates. <laughs> Actually, Daxiu was, um, yeah, was feudal Japan. Trendy. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, but It was really enjoyable. I imagine it plays well with all player counts. Mm-hmm. We played it at four. It plays, I think, two to five. And you could probably just throw another set of pirates and play six. Like, it's really... it's. It, I think the only reason it's scaled to five is because that's all the pirates they included. Oh, okay. So, moving on to my next game, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, maybe last week, but I, I wanted to uh, touch on it again. And this is know. the newest uh, Phil Walker Harding game. No, we have not. Planted. At least I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't think we have. I played this, it was a couple Saturdays ago, um, but the reason why I wanted to put it on this list is because when we came up with a topic about a listening response... Uh-huh. My wife requested we play this game. Right. And that's a rare occurrence in both of our houses. <laughs> yeah. Rare occurrence is that she saw it and she's like, what is this? I'm like, that's the game uh, me and Danny were trying to go get at Target. And this game is called Plant It, a game so, of nature and nurture. Let me just ask you real quick. Did you purposefully leave it out in her eyesight knowing that she would probably... No, I just forgot it. It was because it, oh, okay. it was on the game night when we had it and I had to move it off the table. So I put it over by uh, my coffee maker. Mm-hmm. And she saw it when she was getting ready for work, and she's like, you can bring that Saturday. And I'm like, I was planning on it, because it's a Phil Walker Harding game show. Sure, right. you're requesting, I'll bring it. <laughs> uh, I'll learn it right in and there. And it's actually really simple to learn. Yep. Uh, my wife adored this game. Um, so that's why I was like, I have to put it on this list specifically, because yep. it elicited a response where she requested it and brought joy, because... She owns a lot of those plants in the game. Yeah. Like they're like our bathroom, um, because there's like a giant frosty window. Oh, okay. it's full of air plants. Oh, I didn't like, know just that. Okay. full of air plants. And so, like in the room that's right next to us, there's uh, several. She just bought a new stand for more plants. My wife loves plants, and so we have a garden in the backyard. She's got like trumpet plants in the backyard. It's like it's crazy. And so when she saw this, she requested that we play it and it, it's good it's a, a set collection drafting game yep. you're either drafting tools or resources to grow your plants because growing your plants are going to give you the most points at the end of the game there's decorations that score off of certain things tools help you get more resources so some like if you play a single uh, sun card it gives you two sun card or sun resources because of the tool that you have it's real simple I know why some people don't like it, because it, it, it can be a little too simple. Yeah. I enjoy the mess out of it. It's not... It's probably middle of the road, Phil Walker Harding, for me, but... It's lower half for me. Yeah, I don't know if it would be lower half. It's probably, like, lower half of the middle, so if I'm rating, um, like, say I play 10 Phil Walker Harding games, it's probably more in the 7 than it is yep. in the 4. Right. So it's on the lower half of average for me um, when I'm ranking all his games. But it's still better than some of the other games I've played. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. No, I agree. There are other games from him that and the I thing don't is, like as much. It is so cheap for the resources that they give you in there. 
Because yes, it is by phenomenal. cheap, you mean inexpensive. In, in, to inexpensive buy. to buy. It's like so, a $20 game. Right? Yeah, we, we spent uh, 15 because we bought it was two part of the deal. two for one deal. So, Which we it, highly it, encourage <laughs> get three copies of the same game. game. Then it's like 15 bucks a person. But mind you, a lot of the uh, our game group love Phil Walker Harney games, so that was just an easy right. sell for you. Mm-hmm. And so I still have the extra copy here because our, our mutual friend who's going to pick it up has been uh, down with COVID. So, yeah. Which is unpleasant. Yeah, so, but, yeah, this one is, so, the sun resources, plastic, but they're nice plastic. The, yep, the water The dry. water is amazing. Yeah. And they're plastic, but they're kind of like a resinish kind of plastic, yeah. so, and they're shaped like a water drop. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. And then you got your thumb, your green thumbs that are meeple pieces, wood pieces. Yeah, silk screened. Uh, silk, uh, yeah, screen printed. Screen printed. Um, yeah. And then there was, the, what's the other resource? Uh, uh, there is uh, plant food. Plant food, which is, again, uh, the same resource as the or material, the people. Right. Or and then there's the, the leaves wood. as well. The leaves are really nice. All all the, the wooden pieces are screen printed. Yeah. The resin pieces are nice, and they all come in burlap sacks. Yeah, and you each keep the separate s- resource, and they're <laughs> printed on it, too, to say which resource goes in which. And instead of having to use your own personal baggies that you have lying around the house for board games like most board gamers have, yeah. you could keep your plant cards in a seed packet. Yep, yep, you sure can. <laughs> and it comes with a score pad. A lot of games that have like all these complicated scoring process don't give you a score pad. This one, not as complicated, still gives you a score pad. Right, exactly. And I remember when we when we first played it, or when I first played it, we calculated our scores just like we're used to, and yeah. we just added it all up. And then we realized, oh yeah, there's a score pad after. <laughs> like, wait, hold on, none of us. Uh, yeah, I used the score pad, but yeah, yeah I, I, I. This game is gr- good. It's a good game, honestly, for its price. It's probably gonna hit, especially if you're not you're playing with. This is a game that I can bring out to play with grandma. It's simple enough. Yeah. And so, and then especially like with my grandma, she's into planets too. So I probably could play this with her if she wasn't a cranky eighty-six year old. <laughs> probably. <laughs> so. Well, no, right. she'll tell you she's a cranky eighty-six oh, year old. I see. Okay. So. All right, interesting. Uh, but planted uh, a game of nature uh, and nurture. I think is what it says. Yep. Nature and Nurture. So the next game I wanted to talk about was is a game that uh, I played just recently, and it is actually based off of an IP that I knew nothing about. I bought this from uh, Barnes & Noble about last year mm-hmm. uh, when it was on sale, and at first glance, I didn't even know it was a board game. Because <laughs> it was in a generic black box with white text, and it didn't even say board game. It says game on the cover. Okay. But on like a subtitle thing. Okay. That is uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, A Game of English Magic. Apparently, you bought it just because it said English magic. That is absolutely <laughs> right. Because it had to do with magic. So I guess, in a nutshell, and anybody who's read this book, because it's based off of a book. Okay. Um, which I have not read, full disclosure. I bought it because it has to do with magic. Because I like <laughs> magic a lot. So, in a nutshell, yeah, I and guess... And we're talking about the actual magician magic, not Magic the Gathering. Well, so... Yeah, not Magic the Gathering. Um, and not witchcraft. We got we, we to gotta, we gotta clarify. Yes. Yeah, so... Because we're a board the game way podcast. The game works... Yeah, the, uh, the, the premise of the game is that, I guess in the storyline, and again, forgive me if I'm wrong, um, this is like early 1800s, like Napoleonic time, which is probably wrong. Um, or like that you're in England and you're traveling around Europe and stuff and you're, this is now that the people who are doing magic, mm-hmm. like aren't like wizards and like silly hats and yeah, mixing yeah. potions and crap. 
but I guess the main antagonist is like the the thin haired man or something like that, or the like it actually said or the the thistle down hair I think is his name, but he's also known as the fairy, and because he's he's like a conjurer, like a for real one apparently, and mm. you're all trying to become like professional magicians, like like you know wearing a suit and yeah, yeah, performing yeah. for royalty and stuff like that to defeat this guy. But it's not cooperative. You're all competing against each other to become the world's best magician, magician. basically. Yeah, okay. So with all that aside, <laughs> the game itself is kind of an action selection uh, card game. Okay. And so you have an action board that you can do. It's like a, a silver basin. And you can use some of your actions. What... I can't describe it too much, but it took us three hours. A little more than three hours. Oof. It was a pretty heavy Euro. Um, it was all card-based because your cards that you're... Damn, that you're a card-based getting... Euro that took three hours? I mean, I understand it's first Great. play, but... Yeah, and this was all first play, people who didn't know anything. Uh, one Still. of our players did know uh, the book already. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they knew the book. It had been a while since they read it, but they did know it. Um, so is the this the three. illustrator, or because uh, I'm thinking about your game group, so I no, only know one is no, the illustrator. No, um, the other one. Okay. Um, and so the, I don't want to name names, right? Exactly. No, because we don't have their permission. But again, I bought it because it was magic. And so what you're essentially trying to do is you're trying to move around Europe, make connections <laughs> with important people, some of which are real people, like that are in the storyline, um, like. Yeah, like those actual like authors and stuff like that, and poets, and that you're trying to make connections with, and then I just got an idea. You're for, trying to perform uh, another chits and giggle episode, but I'll uh, I'll write it down. Write down, write down. And so you're trying to perform feats of magic for them. What makes it interesting is that the cards, the ones that you play, are multifunction, and are used to get other cards, and it's kind of like a branching evolution kind of thing. So what I mean by that is that. You are trying to play cards for uh, mainly their value of, like, what kind of element tokens you can do. It's like wind, fire, you know, there's there's about six six to eight elements that you can use. Well, actually, six. There's, like, earth, trees, um, stone, water, wind, crows. Because um, crows are elements. We all know that. And so you're trying to They're play these magic, cards. man. Right. You're trying to play these cards to complete feats of magic. So you take the resource and put them on there. So it's just resource fulfillment yeah, on that yeah. part. But um, you can use either invitations or um, introductions. Those are two different kinds. Invitations okay. let you go to parties. Introductions let you gain uh, prestige by meeting important people. You need invitation cards, which will only be drawn at the end of the round, and you have to go to certain parts in Europe that are listed on the card to play them to be able to draw feats of magic and and or the introduction cards. Okay. Which introduction cards give you prestige points. Which prestige points are not victory points. They just they just make you more important. Yeah. And that determines turn order. And it also, once you get past certain milestones, you get connections which give you extra abilities. Okay. So it's, it's that evolution thing. But if instead you go feats of magic when you're able to perform them in that second action, then you can get spells, spell cards for completing those, and those give you one-time abilities as well. Okay. So 
again, like, the, the whole premise is that there's, like, seven decks of cards, and you go from, like, one to get to the other two, which brings you off of other ones. Okay. From a game standpoint, functionally, that works pretty well. Okay. And we all, after, it took us, a, it was a slog to get through the, the, the first round and the explanation, but once we did, we were all in pretty much a good motion of it. Okay. But it was a, a bear to learn. Okay. It does take a long time. I probably would have felt more comfortable playing it as a two-player game. But everyone did enjoy themselves. They were just kind of burned at, at the end. I don't blame them. I probably would be, too. One quarrel against it, though. Other than the fact that the box looks like a just a black Generic. box that has no... Like, Not as bad as this, though, right? Because, you know, just a face. No, it's, more, it's worse than that. Because <laughs> okay. like, it has the cover, and like you don't know it's a board game. That And it's by Osprey Games. Like, they uh, know in, better. In all honesty... If you look at this, yeah. you wouldn't know it's a board game if they have it just that's with a true. picture that's on true. it. That's true. That's that's a very <laughs> solid point. But the one argument that I had against it okay. is that oh, and you're trying to get like magic points basically, okay. and by completing feats of magic, you do that. Um, most of those points wins. There, there's the way to play it, and there's a slight variant. Okay. Where at the end of certain years, you have like twelve years total that you're playing, yeah. and every round is a year. At the end of those. Or certain years, like six, eight, ten, then you have the chance to battle against the the thin haired down man, whatever his name is, whatever thistle down hair. Okay. If you Just have the more, bad guy, the protagonist, the bad guy, the antagonist, yeah, and the antagonist, um, yeah. If you have enough power to defeat him, if you've gotten more magic points, then you trigger the end of the game immediately during at the end of those rounds. So as soon as you finish your turn, you look and say, okay. Have I, do I have enough points to defeat him? Yes or no, right? And so technically at the end, like eight, 18, 17 or whatever the year is, the final <laughs> one, if nobody has enough points to defeat him because he's getting more and more powerful, then technically no one wins. Okay. But then in the rules it just says, so technically you all lose. But if you want to see who's the most magical of you, counterpoints and most points is the most magical of you, but you're just not the world-renowned magician. Okay. So it... it I normally really hate games where it's like, it's not, it's semi-co-op, right? Yeah. Because that's technically what it is. But it just says, like, look, technically you get, you win if you've beaten him. Yeah, and then whoever has the most points wins. Yes, and then whoever has the most points. But if nobody does, you technically all lose, but really, whoever has the most points still wins. Yeah. So, that's a minor, minor quarrel, but it was a really fun game. Heavy Euro, or mid, mid-weight mid Euro. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely not an easy game to get into at first, especially if you don't know the source yeah. of it. But yeah, uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Moral by Osprey Games, which might be the only game I own from Osprey. Hmm. All right, going into my... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, it sounds interesting, but the fact that it was a bit of a slog, it just... It, I, it, honestly, no, I get that. But you would probably really dig it. I know you like multi-faceted with card games. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, but it, I just don't know. The, I don't the, know the source, source material anyway, and I still enjoyed it after the three hours. Um, yeah, but it's also magicians. Right. Exactly. So I'm a little biased. <laughs> True. True. I am a little biased on that. And I barely just saw my first magic show. So that's true. I'm glad, that, I'm glad I helped you with that. <laughs> Why you? It was a great magic show. Right. It was fun watching it, and Pin and Teller are amazing. No, but yeah. But so. you had never seen a magic show prior to that. Yeah, yeah. at well. least I started with the good ones. Yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't get much better. So, all right. So we're gonna go into my final game, the one, the one I really want to talk about. And in fact, you had to ask me specifically if I'm putting this on your list. This way, we can just talk about eight right. different games. And this one is 
We're Philippines. So yep. this uh probably a really uh your last one, I think. The last one off of my shelf. Shelf of shame. shame. And this was again the same time we were playing all the other two player games. This is the Oracle of Delphi. Yep. I kind of want this game now. Yeah, it was really good. <laughs> it's really good. It had no uh, right. I liked it. Good. So we've played three Feldians in the last month. Uh, mm-hmm. We played Bora Bora, Aquasphere, and oh. Oracle Delphi. This is probably my favorite of those three. Yeah. Bora Bora is probably at the bottom, and then Aquasphere. And the same level. <laughs> the same Same. Because what, I, what it is is you're just selling your ships. You're trying to collect different resources right. in a sense so like you want to collect a resource and you want to take it to a certain island to put it there but you want to collect a statue and you want to take it to a different island right. to put it there but then you also need to fight monsters and then and we're all fighting the same thing except right. for one because a lot of the resources and you have to do 12 different things three of each type so one of them is the monster fighting you and me have two of the same monsters, so I think it was like black and green was the same, and then you so could just that. do one wild monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to take statues, and both of us had like a blue and something, and we had to... No, no, uh, the statues were all wild. Yeah, the resources. The resources, the cues were the same. So two of them were the same, and one was wild. Mm-hmm. And it came down to the wire, because not only do you have to do all 12 of your things, you have to be the first... Or you have to go back to the uh, statue of Zeus, or wherever Zeus is in the middle of the map. Yep for you to win so you triggered the end game but because i was last player and you were able to make i was it. able to make it and then it came down to what god favors and i just so happened to every time yeah. i collected god favors i got extra favors right this did so many great things yeah. uh that i really enjoyed you got to move your ship you had massive movement across the board because yeah. of your powers i was launching but uh, and then you have to be careful because the, you would you lose turns in this game, and that's something I really don't like sometimes. But it was but fine in this well. one, yeah. Yeah, because what happens is if you get three of one color or six total injuries, injuries that's what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take away three injuries, and that's your complete turn basically to heal up. Yeah. But once you start uh, doing the statues and you start getting heroes, they take away something. If you get your god track all the way up, that uh, like the Aphrodite one allows you to completely heal all your injuries off. And so there is just a massive amount of stuff. Like I'm not even doing it justice because there's so much going on to this game. But it was phenomenal. Like you and me both were like very like giddy playing it's like yeah. oh this is really cool i like yeah. what this is doing turn 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 <laughs> turn move, 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 move. yeah it's a bit of a slog to set up yep the colors could set be better well so i was about to say i'm glad hall uh hall games created this and then it was brought over by i think tasty vince yeah um because if Alea made this we would not have been able to see any, yeah, of, the any of the colors, colors yeah and it's very color dependent yeah especially cuz uh the cubes are specific color the monsters are specific colors yes. luckily enough with the monsters not only are there specific colors but the monster is a specific type so like the minotaurs were black the echidnas were green and stuff like that so that made it a little bit easier but like the cubes there's just random cubes out there and we all know Alea browns and greens and so that's like one of my issues with Carpe Diem. I love the game, but just because of the colors in it, it's hard to read. But this one, it was so good. It was really, really good. Uh, I want to pick up a copy if I am able to find it in the wild. Cool. We'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah. And the last one I want to talk about, I'll just talk quickly. Um, you're right. This was the last uh, Stefan Feld off my shelf of shame. I also got another designer off my shelf of shame. 
I played Dungeon Raiders on Friday. Nice. I'm sorry I didn't play it with you. It's all good. It's all good. Man, was that fun. That was probably everyone's favorite game that I'm night. I'm just going to get a new podcast partner. So. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Dungeon Raiders. So the way it works is that you go over five five levels of dungeons. Each, each dungeon has five rooms. Mm. Um, some of them, at the beginning of each level, you reveal some face down. Or some stay face down, some get revealed face up, so you know what's coming up, kind of. Yeah. Um, and it might be a monster. And then the very final level, no matter what, will be a boss. And there's like ten different bosses you can choose from. And you pick one at random. Okay. And just see what happens. Anything from like a dragon to a ta- tax collector. Okay. So, essentially the game works is whoever gets the most treasure points, or coins, basically. Okay. Uh, wins, except for the person with the most wounds. The person with the most wounds... Does not win. Simple as that. Regardless of whether they had the most points or not. Yeah. So, with that being said, though, what's cool is that everyone has a hand of the numbers 1 through 5. And just cards that with the numbers 1 through 5 on them. Everybody selects simultaneously. We all reveal. And depending on the number, that's what happens. Okay. And so, if it's a treasure room or like a market room, um, you know, it has the numbers 1 through 5 and different items that you can get. Mm-hmm. So everybody just gets the item. Okay. If it's a if it's a treasure room, whoever bids the highest number gets the highest one there. Yeah. And sometimes there'll be a second place as well. Okay. Um, however, the monsters are really fun because, uh, <laughs> this is demented. Basically, you're all fighting the monster, so you you add up the numbers that everybody reveals, and depending on its strength, that determines whether you've beaten the monster or not. Okay. If you have beaten the monster. No harm, no foul. Everyone continues on. If you didn't defeat the monster, the player who played the lowest number <laughs> gets, gets the, wound. the wounds. <laughs> and I say wounds because there might be more than one. I've seen up to like three or something. I want to play this now. There's a trap cards that come up where the trap, what happens is it'll affect somebody, like whoever has the most wounds or the least wounds or most money, least money, something like that. Yeah. And it'll say it. And everyone pitches their number. And the highest number that was played from anybody is the penalty to whoever that player is. So, for example, it might be whoever has the most wounds loses, or the most coins loses three coins. Okay. But that's if somebody plays a five. Uh, So is somebody going to waste their big number to penalize the player who is that far ahead or... Well, not just that. They have the most wounds, so if they have the most wounds, they could possibly lose the game. Right, exactly. So it's it's demented how it works. I love it. I do want to play this one. Yeah, it, you, it works so well. You might so have well. to bring it to tomorrow. Um, okay. Like I said, because um, tomorrow's game night is our friend Gamehead Geek's yep. choice. If not, it's my choice, so I choose that one. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a quick game. It played in probably 20 minutes, and that was... So this was after that Mr. Moral, or Mr. Uh, Jonathan Strange game, yeah. Mr. Moral. So after that whole time, we played probably two or three more games on top of that, all brand new to everybody. Mm-hmm. And then we played this one. This was the final game of the night, and this was pretty much unanimously everybody's favorite. It went Ooh. over really well. So that's the last one I wanted to talk about that we've been playing lately. I think now we should get into our list, because we've been yammering on for, for a while, yeah. as always, way too long. So, let's talk about our list. Again, these are the top uh, eight games. We, we pick eight. They might not be in any specific order. Uh, I, I put it in order just by which ones bring out the emotions more. But these are the... I kind of did. I just put them in order about how I want to talk about them. Yeah. 
And so these are the games that elicit the biggest emotions, mm-hmm. uh, good or bad, as we said at the and top it, of the podcast. Some of them are for like me personally, but some yeah. of them are for like other players that we've played. Right. Or, most or of them are for me. at their goal of, yeah. of doing that. Because some of these games are designed that they're supposed to do that. Yeah. And they definitely succeed. So any of these games that you play, um, the ones that we talk about, not just for us, but the ones that bring out that emotion, you'll probably have, if that's the emotion you're looking for, definitely seek out these games. Yeah, a lot of these are for me, um, but yeah, there's just a couple that um, like yeah. bring out emotions for my wife, too. Right. So the first one, uh, you'll be starting us off. All right. So my first game I'm going to talk about, and it's not really, it's my cheesy-ish pick. Um, it's mm-hmm. about more, uh, it is kind of emotion, but it's not really, it's nostalgia. Yeah. And this one for me is Risk, because my dad recently passed away. I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. This one uh, elicits that motion. When I look at like my wrist down there, or like when we play the Risk Legacy, it just brings up like the good feelings of playing with it. my ruthless father. By the way, mind you, I had to learn to yeah be humble and loss a lot because uh, I was just thinking about it today when I was thinking about the list. We played with my brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I am the youngest by far in my family. My closest brother was eight years older than me, so. When I'm playing with it, my father in his 30s, my me, eight years old when when I started playing Risk, my middle brother who was 16 at the time, my oldest brother is 12 years older than me. He was 20. So I'm playing with two adults and one almost adult at eight years old, and they were ruthless. They didn't take it easy on me. Good. Well, you got to learn to lose. Yeah. And so I really enjoyed it. It brings up a lot of memories, and it's always going to have a place in my heart. Um, and so Risk is – everybody knows Risk. I don't yep. really need to harp in what's about it, and it's very lucky at times, and there's a lot going on. Yep. It is one of the more strategic dice rolling games out there, right. but you're st- it's still lucky when it comes to, like, the dice rolls and stuff like that. But sure. I had a phenomenal time playing it growing up. I still really want try to get back into Risk Legacy again soon. Uh, just, but we're also trying to get stuff off our shelf of shame yeah, as well. Exactly. So it's uh, it's been a bit of a bit of a chore. But yeah, risk just brings out a lot of good nostalgia memories. And so when someone says, "Hey, let's play a game of Risk," I'd be like, "Yeah, sure, why not?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the game isn't that good, but yeah, you still it, it, there's a reason it was that enjoyable, and you're like, yeah. "That makes sense." My number eight is um, one of the most suspenseful games, and I mean like fun suspenseful. Um, it's Rhino Hero. And that's because, <laughs> it, and I, there's one very. This great is not the one that you're ex- expecting to be a crossover, right? No. Okay. Um, because Rhino Hero, the idea of the game is you have these folded in half cards. They're the walls, and yeah. you're trying to stack them up. But it's kind of like Uno, but at the same time, Jenga, reverse Jenga. Yeah, because you want to you want to empty your cards, but right. you're building a tower. And and every time I've seen that happen, like it, every time is just always a blast because you see it and you see the the tower waver a little bit, you know, and sway. And I remember I, I showed this at the at our local comic shop pretty often, and they have ceiling fans that are pretty good. Yeah, and it makes it so scary because you see the tower. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! It's for you! <laughs> you know, you just this constant like every card you put down, everyone's like, uh, uh, uh. You know, it's just it's so suspenseful. Yeah, it's a children's game. It has no right being that fun. Rhino Hero. One of the most suspenseful games uh, and I've the, ever played. And, and to top it all off, they made a sequel, a Super Battle, for this yep. game, yep. where they add where you have to hang things off the side yes. of the car. So Which it's just is like, even worse. No, yeah. I do have to admit, I do want to spend $100 to get the giant one. I probably would, too. I, 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 I want to do yeah. it. 
it's a kids game. I know, but honestly, I've been t- uh, I've been asked to probably be a game guru in a sense for someone's work business. Like every Thursday, they get their people together and cool. teach games and stuff like that. I want to get it just for that because I bet you it would be it would go down. Oh crazy. yeah, it always does. <laughs> it's always suspenseful. Everyone's always engaged watching a single person place a card. Yeah, and, and I mean it's like it's like Jenga except for some reason Jenga is way boring in comparison. Yeah, exactly. This is great. Every every card, even the first level, just good pick suspense. All right, our number sevens. I'll be starting us off. My number seven is the most zen game that I have on the list. And Ooh, that's because... Zen. Yeah, and, and I know it's not an emotion. Zen is an emotion, but peaceful, yeah, calming, no, peaceful, whatever. all of that is an I, emotion. I, I get what yeah. you're trying to elicit with that one. Right. This is one of the... I think this is the only game... Uh, yes, the only game I no longer own. Uh, I did get rid of it just because I got kind of tired of playing it. But we've had it for a long time, and every time I play it, we you just kind of kick back, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to do something nice and peaceful. That's Tokaido. Yeah, I thought it was this one. Yeah, Tokaido like, really I is. You got rid of it a while ago. I did. I got rid of it many, many years ago, just because I I wasn't playing it anymore. But yeah. anytime somebody brings it out, like I'm I'm not opposed to playing it. I I just know that by the end of it, I'll be like, you know what? This was fun. Yeah. This was nice. But I have like weird feelings with Tokaido because yeah. it's like it's I like the game. I don't want to own the game, right. but it's like. I always say this is the game that if you want to, you know, play a game, but you don't want to pay attention too much of the game, right. just shooting it with the the with your friends, drinking right. beers and stuff like that, having a nice chit chat while you're playing a board game. This is that go to game. I agree with you. Right, and see, like this, it's less about not paying attention or just like having it in the background kind of yeah. game. It's like really at the end of it, it's like, what did I do in the game? Oh, I visited bathhouses. Mm-hmm. Um, I donated money to the temple. I. I Saw these scenery. I went uh, went and had good no, food. No, no, you're telling that the story. That is exactly with what I would do in a trip. Yeah. That like that that's like when I went to Colorado a few about a month ago. That is exactly what I did. Is I went saw these new attractions, went on some hiking, had some good food, met some interesting people. That was exact. I played Tokaido in real life. No, no, I feel I, like that's. I get it, but I'm just saying this is that that game that is like mm-hmm. you're still playing it. But you don't have to worry about what someone else is doing unless they take a spot that you want to go right, to. But exactly. and then a lot of those spots, you can you just behind them. Right. So there, therefore, you can take a, a a trip before them. Right. Exactly. So, but yeah, it's, it's something that you can wind down the night or just you know yeah heat up the night too. Just warm up the night by everybody's getting together. They're getting their snacks, their drinks, and you're playing a little game. Right. To get ready before you go into the, the heavier stuff. Yeah. Exactly. No, but that's that's my number seven. Prime the night. That's what it is. Prime. Prime the night. Yeah, sure. That's All a good way to do it. All right. So my number seven is a game that emotion brings disgust. <laughs> this one, I cannot stand. I hate playing it. I refuse to play it. Uh, and you know which game this is. It has my veto in every top eight debate. Go ahead and tell the people. No, you go ahead. Looping Louie yep. slash Chewy. I despise this game. It's, it's not really a game. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you love the game. But it just, for me, it's kind of like, yeah, playing with you, I skipping a turn. It's one of the things I hate in the game. It's like, if you're so good at this game, someone else doesn't get to play the game. And that happens to me every time I play this game. Is someone's like, oh, well, my flapper is not going to do anything because you just push it over my flapper. I'm not allowed to play the game. 
Right. And so it's frustrating. And every time I play the game, I'll be able to hit it a couple times, if that, depending on who I'm playing with. If I'm playing someone like my skill level, then yeah, I have a chance to play the game. But if I'm playing with someone who figures out the schemes and how to hit it just right, where it's like, mm, nope, I can't do anything because you got to knock, knock your pegs off what? Like three pegs or something like that to win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. It's like, I mean, my thing is, like, you, you're you bringing up, like, a, oh, I'm playing pool or something like that. The skill. I'm not playing with a pool shark. <laughs> so, if I'm going to play a game, if I'm going to play a pool, I'm just going to go there, hang out with some friends, shoot some uh, balls. If I suck, I suck. Oh, well. This game, it just, it's frustrating because there's a point in the game where I can't do anything. So, Looping Louie. Disgust. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I I can't argue with your opinion, right? <laughs> Take over for the next one. So my number six is the emotion I'm eliciting here is excitement. And I think you've uh, mentioned this too for the game, but I don't know if it's on your list. And this one is, it's, it's a good game. It's a great game, in fact. But it doesn't really do too much for it. But it just, every time I bust it out or load up the app to get it playing, you got the the soundtrack with it. And this is the Dark Tower. Return to the Dark Tower. It's just every time it's like, I get giddy in a sense. Because right. it just, it's it's it gives you that toy factor. It gives you like, because honestly, you're just taking some actions, dropping stuff down, and things bad things happen. Depending on what the app decides the bad right. things are going to be. But every time you hear that, oh, God, oh, God, I think it's on my side. Because <laughs> when they yeah. come out, when you hear the, you know, the thing <laughs> drop, yeah. It's, it's oh, just, cool. it's just uh, I get giddy every time I bust it out. I want to play it more because I want to see more of the stuff. I like what it's doing. And for me, that's what uh, I love playing a game that makes me excited. And so for me, this is the Dark Tower. It's it's a phenomenal game. It gives you that toy factor that looping Louie gives to some people, right. but more so, and you actually are playing a game. You're making the cho- choices. You get to make choices in the game and take actions. So, but yeah, uh, this one's excitement for me. Dark Tower. <laughs> All right. I am staying, staying objective on that. My number uh, six, six. Right? number six is stress. The emotion that I have is is stressful playing this game, and that is absolutely how it's designed. Is is your job is to work under pressure, and this is the one I thought would be on both of our lists, and that is fuse, because you have a ten minute timer, and it's not, and it's not. Okay, fair enough. Um, it should be because there's a different game for that category. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you have a ten minute timer counting you down. You can even play with a mode where the timer, the announcer on it is like oh, edging you on. <laughs> I forgot about that announcer. Right. And, and just kind of messing with you. It's like, I thought you were good at this kind of thing, you know? And you're trying Kane to... Kane Clinko. Yep. Kane Clinko designed it. You're, you're trying to distribute the dice accordingly. Everyone has 10 minutes. They all have their own things that they're working on. If you pass somebody a die that they can't use, it's a penalty and everyone has to discard either same color or number. It's brutal. You have to get through a certain level of deck. Or a certain level of the deck, uh, played out a certain number of the cards. Mm-hmm. It it's so brutal and fun and awesome at the same time, and it brings you and it's a good stress. Oh yeah, that's the game. But I mean, oh. it brings out that idea of like, hey, you're defusing a bomb. <laughs> if you don't do this, it's gonna suck, and you feel that tension the entire time. The yeah, entire no, 10 I, minutes. yeah. It, it's it a good pick. 
Yeah, it, it, that's why I bought Flatline, and I like Flatline as well. But I, it doesn't I, give I always me that go same back to Fuse. Yeah. It just happens yeah. every time. I like Flatline. It's just a longer game. There's a lot going on. And I like Flatline better than Fuse. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's no, a see, funner, yeah. better game. Uh, Flatline's but it a better bring game. It out as yeah. Much. But the thing about Fuse is we, we were talking about when we were making this list is yeah. we're like, I thought of this, yeah. and then I thought of something better. Okay. That, that's what happened to Fuse. I was looking at my board, and I'm like, oh, I know. What, yeah. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> this game one. would fit it then better. Then you'll definitely have to tell me what that is because I, I'm very curious about it. Um, yeah, and that, that's my number six, and that's Fuse. All right, moving on to our number fives. Who's starting this one? Number five. I'll be starting this off. This is kind of weird how this is working out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you brought up. The, the nostalgia mm-hmm. in your number eight. This is mine. Okay. Um, this game absolutely is like a bland theme. Um, it doesn't, well, that narrows it down for everybody right, listening. I, I know. It, <laughs> it's a very bland theme, So, and I want to give that clarity before I say what the game is, because this is absolutely a game I play with my dad all the time. Gotcha. And so when I play it, I feel like... like And, and there is a reason it brings out this, this emotion, is because me and my dad always talked about traveling. Yeah. So this is 10 days in the USA. Uh, I thought where, this might be on your list if you yeah, went with nostalgia. Exactly. Because you talk about it a lot. You're you're essentially building a 10-day plan to go across the United States. Mm-hmm. And you're putting things in order, trying to put certain states on one side, building a day. If I have a day to travel by plane or if yeah. I'm going by car, and then I'm going to spend a day in this state and this state. And it's actually a good that day. is absolutely something that I love doing. I love mm-hmm. planning for trips. So much that, like, I really drove me to, insane. <laughs> well, I had to stand off because I'm taking a trip in a couple weeks, and I really and I told my wife, it's like, look, I I don't want to be part of this planning because I don't want to be planning it for like six people. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I'm gonna be like, you know, you guys want to do your things. If if we go on me, it's a lot of hiking and board games and a yeah. lot of nerdy stuff that yeah. you're not gonna be interested in. So it's like I'm standing back. You plan it. Yeah, exactly. No, I get it. Don't like it, but because if I'm planning a trip, I'm like, man, we're going here to do this. We're going here to do this. We're going to try this, you know. And that's what I did when we went over to to Utah and Colorado. Well, that's what you were trying to do, like uh, Reno and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, we were planning to do this. We're going to go to this show. We're going right. to do this. Exactly. And it's and like, I, I love dude, the we don't have the time for that. No, we don't. But I love the planning part of it. That's yeah. a really fun thing for me. And so, like, looking into things, all this stuff, I feel like you're doing that in this game really effectively. And again, like I said, it's nostalgic yeah. entirely because of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, 10 Days in the USA is my number five. Ah, that's a good pick. Or number five? Yeah, five. Yep. So, my number five is... Surprise! This game surprised me, and it surprised my wife too, um, and um, our mutual friends. So much so, I bought a whole set of it. <laughs> and this one is uh, Marvel United, as well as you can say X Men United. So okay. for me, I ignored the original X Men United Kickstarter, or okay. I mean the Marvel United Kickstarter. I ignored it. I was like, eh, chibi style family game. Not sure if I'm going to really enjoy that one. And then I bought one, uh, a copy for my friend for his birthday, and then we played it. Yeah. And I was like, this game has no right to be this good. I like what it was doing. It basically, you're playing it like a comic book, or a comic book, so you got a storyboard in a sense. Whereas you're playing out in action, you get the stuff from your card as well as the card before it. The bad guy's doing his stuff, so he's going into the storyboard as well. And if he's got henchmen, they're coming up, and you're trying to go rescue. I was like, 
this game should not be this good. It's 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 really simple. It's easier than most co-ops, but again, it's supposed to be played with families and the kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I liked it so much when they announced an X-Men version of it. I was in it just because there's not really many good X-Men games. Right. To the point, we recently just played another X-Men game. Um, that's yeah. a, a cover um. of... Um, a redo of Elder Sign. Oh, yeah. Called uh, Mutant Insurrection or something like that. It's over there in my cell pile. <laughs> That's how wow. much. Wow. It, it, <laughs> it hit the cell pile immediately. Immediately. I, I played it and I'm like, huh. This doesn't give me the same feelings that Elder Sign does. I no, get like the tension from Elder didn't. Sign. Yep. This one, it was cool what it did, right. but I have a better X Men game. Why am I going to. Oh, if I'm going to choose between the X Men games, which one am I going to play more? It's going to be X Men United. Absolutely. So I, after I played it, I just thought about it and thought about it, and it went to my cell pile. It yep. just it can't stay because I have a better one, and right. that's because it gave me yeah, the, two different the, games that get, that do the same thing, thing better. Yeah, and it's just like it gave me that surprise that just like this game should not be as good as it is. I, I like a lot of Eric Link things, but I was like, I mean, maybe it's a little too simple. Maybe it's going to be like um, what is the the Courier reprint, Dice Masters. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of Dice Masters. I'm like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. I played this game. And then I backed the all-in for the X-Men part of it. So <laughs> that tells you how much I really like this game right. and how big of a surprise. And the same thing for my wife. She's like, chibi, eh. she's not a fan of chibi style and stuff like that. And then we played it, and she's like, this is good. And every time I bust it out, she's like, okay, I'm ready. To, I like to play this. Yeah, this is yeah. cool. So, yeah, this is X-Men United. Good deal. Or Marvel United, whichever. And our next one. Number four. Number four. So my number four is, is my humorous one. And this is... This brings out the laughter. And I know, like, normally you would think with me, this would be number one, right? No, this is... Every time we play it, it it's not just the process of playing it that's funny. It's every stage of this game is hilarious in its own right. And it's, it's probably not what you think it is. This game, the idea of this game is that you have partners to your left and right, and you're each drawing half of a picture. This is called yeah. Tadam. And so the the way the game works, like I said, you're each drawing half of a picture. You've mentioned you have, this before. Yep. I you have this uh, little dry erase board that is effectively like curtains opening up on a stage, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you're creating half of half of something that you're gonna make appear out of nowhere. And you go, ta da, and you see what it is. So first off, you have to pick which one it is. So you have a, a card that has a bunch of different options. Okay. And you just choose with your partner which one you're going to be doing. And it's that alone is hilarious because, for example, my friend, uh, my friend, uh, one of the options he picked was Pokemon. <laughs> and so, like, of course, like, there's a lot of options there, right? You yeah. You can draw any Pokemon. And so that was a fun one. And then on a later round, him and I were feeling pretty confident. He picked one-armed man. It's like, how do you, like... And so we just looked yeah, at each other. You can mention we this one how, because yeah. you mentioned it before when you're talking about it. Right. And we knew how ridiculous that was and how absurd that is. And that alone made us laugh. Then came to the drawing part of it where he drew his half and you close it up. And then I have a blank board, but I can see like the little dots of where the lines stop. Um, and so I know how to continue the picture, but I don't get to see the picture. Okay. And so that's also hilarious because you're like, how am I going to even do this? Like, yeah. And you're trying to do this so much like when we did Pokemon, we both did Pikachu and he, I drew the full body. He drew the face. So this thing was a monstrosity. <laughs> and then finally, after the drawing, you're like, okay, let's, let's hope for the best. Then the reveal, 
it, the game is you reveal it and everyone has to try and guess it. The first one to get it gets a point, and if they get it, you also get a point as well. So, as soon as we reveal that Pikachu, everyone's like, ah! Pokemon? <laughs> it's just like, they all looked in fear. And it's like, ah! And it's come up with some of the, like, I still have the pictures on my phone because every stage of this game is an extra level of absurd, is an extra level of laughter. I am so glad I have this in my in my collection. Yet another magic themed, technically. Yeah. But it, it goes over so well. It is one of the highest requested party games that I own. So uh, I have to ask you a question about this game. Yes. Did you find your copy? No, I haven't found it yet. <laughs> it, it is somehow missing in my room. Somewhere I will find it. Because the reason last time you talked about it, you, your friend was in town right. and your wife requested this to be played. Yes. That's why and I'm like, I, could I not remember find it this in my room. Yeah. Yes. All right. Oh, so well. moving on to my number four. This one specifically is my contentment. This is your, your you talk about Tokaido. Yeah. Every time I play this game, and it, it's stressful for some people, but for the group that I play this game with, we're having fun. The only time you, you hear something is because you took something out of the tray that they wanted. Right. Other than that, you're minding your own business, and this is Wingspan. Okay. Yeah, we... I just recently busted out because they were requesting to bring it again because it hadn't been played in a while. So, brought it out, played it, and we were. It was nice because like I'm doing this, I'm triggering this, I'm minding my own business. I'm gonna get this resource and this resource and see what happens. Um, like a, a friend, uh, she blind drew and she is so happy because she got the penguin. She loved the little penguin. She's like, oh, the little penguin. Yep. Never played it out. She was just happy she got the card. It's it's yep. something that just brings joy and commitment to us. We we enjoy playing it. And sometimes when we play games, we get a very cutthroat with each other and we're talking crap throughout the entire time. This one was just kind of nice. It's like, oh, we're doing this. And the, my wife is sitting next to me. And she's like, I'm not doing well. I'm still having fun because I enjoy this game because it's it's just a phenomenal game. It's it's heavier, but like because we're consistently playing it, we don't have to go through the rules and stuff like that. So with this one, it just brings us contentment. We have a good time playing it, minding what we're doing, and kind of paying attention to what the other players does because one of the expansions um, adds where like if someone does a, a tuck or for gathering or hunting or just tucking in general, they you get a food resource or something like that. So yeah, it's just. It just brings joy and commit, or contentment. Not really joy that's going to be talked about later, but contentment. Yeah. Good. Wingspan. Wingspan. Number four. Four. All right. On to our number three. You'll be starting us off. And so the reason why I was saying uh, uh, not joy, it does bring joy, but this is the game that brings me a lot of joy every time we play it. I love playing this game. If someone says, hey, let's bust this out. I'm going to be more than welcome to play this. I love teaching this game as well because it's very simple. And it's a game, again, kind of hits that nostalgia factor too because it's a game that helped us get through the pandemic. Uh, in a yep. group of friends, we'd get through Zoom and play this game. And this one is just one. I knew this was going to be on your list. And it's because, yeah, it brings joy. It, it just, we have a, it's one of my favorite party games out there it's one of the things i love teaching like when they're doing gatherings and stuff like that and uh, i mentioned that uh, they're wanting me to uh, teach like their workers and play game night for their their work because mm -hmm. they own their own business i'm like yeah this is one that first come to my head because it's one it's very simple 
it leads itself to a lot of laughter. No one gets like super frustrated other than the fact that why did you choose that? It's like, do I go obscure or do I go slightly obscure? Because I don't want to do like the proper one, what everybody's probably going to pick because I don't want those things getting eliminated. And so it just leads to a bunch of laughter and joking. And again, like when it comes to like Takedo, this is a great game that if you're just getting in a small gathering, drinking some beers and having fun, because you don't even have to play with the, the, the dry erase boards. You can just get a piece of paper over the internet and stuff like that. Like we were playing a lot of it. And so I, this had to go on my list and this is for joy just one very good my number three is dread (laughs) which is this game is does the best job of it hands down that i've played in most games dread and i mean this in a good way because that's absolutely the goal of this game (laughs) night cage ah i haven't i haven't played this one so it wouldn't be on my list so Obviously, the theme is you are traversing this absurd maze, Mm -hmm. trying to get through the night cage, trying to just find the keys, stay in existence, and escape. Okay? The reason why I say it's perfect for Dread is because, one, the art and the graphic design that's in this game is so powerful and so good. Mm -hmm. It reminds me, it's it's like pretty much all black with like line, pencil... Uh, shading in. Yeah. It, it's such a cool design. It reminds me a lot of the um, uh, Scary Stories Tell in the Dark books. Okay, yeah, yeah, back, yeah, yeah. Back when we were kids, yeah. Uh, that art style. It's not quite as gruesome as those kids' books, but <laughs> it, it's still, like, it definitely gives that flavor. Like, nothing looks comfortable <laughs> at all. Yeah, it's funny because you have people who look at this game, they're like, ah, it's it's kind of ugly. It's bland the bo- when you look at the board, but when you see everything right. that's coming out, yeah. the tiles, yes. playing it with dim lights, the candles. Exactly. And that's one of the best parts is, so I was, somebody asked me about it when I was working at the shop uh, mm. the other day. And they asked, they're like, what do you know about the Night Cage? I'm like, let me tell you. <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not a thematic gamer and this is just a simple puzzle. And when all said and done, it's just a route building thing. Yeah. You know, you just got to draw some tiles. Hope that you get the the right tiles. Yeah, not a big deal. Um, the what makes it so exciting is that the premise already is creepy. You know, you're all yeah, just yeah. trapped in this endless maze. That as soon as you leave a room, it's gonna change because you've lost sight of it. Okay, you have a single candle. You, I have the deluxe upgrade, but I mean, you can still get tea yeah. light LED candles. Yeah. And all you do is simply when. When your candle goes out, if you get hit by a monster, your candle goes out and you're panicked and you can't stay in the same spot. So you must move every turn. But you just turn off your little LED candle to, to designate <laughs> my candle's out. Yep. I need somebody to help me light it. And so what's funny is that there's these monsters called the Wax Eaters that come out. And when you place them, they have to go to rooms that are adjacent to you. And that's because that's where you can see. Like you like if it's a four-way path, you can see up, down, left, and right. Yeah. And so when you reveal a wax eater, they don't do anything right away. They wait until somebody in their line of sight moves and then they immediately explode in all directions. Just having them on the board is such a terrible thing and nobody likes it because they're like, look, we can't walk into that path because that'll trigger it. But as soon as somebody leaves... We're both in the same line, so one of us is going to get hurt. Yeah. And when that happens, you discard three tiles, which might be the tiles you, <laughs> you need. need. Yeah. And so you're so, you're like, these wax eaters are so terrible. I don't want to draw tiles, but you have to. <laughs> Every tile you need might be the one you need to get the key to get to a gate. 
So you need to pull that tile, but you don't want to flip over that tile, and you're hoping they're fine, and you're it's constant dread <laughs> as you're working to play this game. I absolutely love how thematic this is, and I think uh, Kurt Covert, um, the owner of Smirk and Dagger, did themselves a real big justice by making this and publishing this game because it's so darn fun. Yeah, I still got to play this one. Ah, it's so good. It's so, so good. All right, so my number two, right? Uh, let's find out. Number two. Oh, that was your number three, huh? That was my number three. Your number two. All right, so my number two. I thought that was your number two for some reason. Nope. Uh, moving on to my number two. This one is the one I say the Pavlovian response. This is the game. When it gets pulled out, I have a great time playing it. Right. It elicits pure happiness every time I play it. Even if I lose in this game, and we lose a lot. Not as much now, right. but this is my favorite game of all time. So, of course, it's going to make this list. And this is Gloomhaven. And it's just, it's not just for that matter. It's a game that I'm playing with my wife that okay. we consistently have played and we enjoy playing. Um, I get to retire characters and build new characters. And I still get that Dungeons and Dragons uh, thing. It's just every time it gets busted out, it's just like makes me happy, pure right. happiness. Because, I one, I enjoy the game. So, yeah, it's simple enough uh, as right. it is for eliciting a response but the fact that it's also kind of like what risk was doing it's a nostalgia thing i'm busting it out and playing with my wife having a good time getting this game going my wife doesn't play a lot of games it's either we're going to a group of friends and play games or we're home playing like video games or watching our own thing but this one she's like okay let's bust out gloomhaven uh, yeah <laughs> don't have to tell me twice <laughs> get, yeah. get i start skipping to the kitchen to put it on the table so it's it's that kind of thing i really really enjoy playing gloomhaven we need to start it up again but again we've been playing initiative with our friends and stuff like that yeah. maybe that's what we'll do fourth of july good reason yep good deal but so yeah number two gloomhaven pure happiness pure happiness man i'm, I'm gonna be kind of a debbie downer here uh, because my next one is definitely not happiness. It is Betrayal. And I know why you don't like this game, but it's the resistance. And that is because no, no, I get every, you every time we play it, there is always a shifty-eyed look to every player. And, and Just so you know, if you play Betrayal, he's, the, the, he's on the... Yeah, I'm the spy, apparently, right? Uh, but in the resistance, like, it's, it's amazing because... Every time we've played it has added another facet, another layer to every future time we've played it. And what I mean by that is that, and I've talked about this story before, is that when my friend uh, Jim absolutely backstabbed me <laughs> and in such a terrible way, and I'll explain how he did it. For those of you who are familiar with Resistance, you have to pick some people to be on a team and then everybody throws in either a success or a fail. If there's a, at least one fail, the, the round fails, and only people who are on the spies can play that fail. Mm -hmm. Well, it got to the point where, where my friend Jim had metagamed it to the point where he says, Oh yeah, well like when Danny's a spy, he's doing this, you know, he's going to, he's, he'll probably throw a betrayal card and, and all these things. And he got it into people's heads so much 
that they that, didn't let you go on to that. No, well, like, there was often times where they would just be like, well, like, and it makes sense. Like, I'm an easy target at that point. They're like, oh, well, Danny's a spy, you know, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But it gets the discussion going, which is what, like, Mafia and Werewolf do. Yeah. Is, you know, Mafia's not fun the first time you play it. It's after you've played it ten times that it starts becoming a Especially meta. if and, you're playing with and, the same group, right? Too. And it becomes this new level. Yeah. Um, the reason Resistance is so good at that is that he created this this fictitious scenario that I was always the spy to the point where when you play in in like a smaller group like I think five players yeah only two people go on the mission right away it's almost unheard of to fail the mission on the first one because then that's so obvious that, that least, one of them that one of them's on there and it's so easy to suss that out mm-hmm. because then you just don't let two people go on the missions even like three or more everyone else deal with them figure it out right and he was part. Of, he was one of the spies. I was one of the regular resistance people. Liar. Uh, no, this really was. Liar. This is what makes it so amazing. Is he threw in a fail card on the very first round. So as soon as we did this, he was like, "All right, well, I mean, nobody fails the first one, right?" And he flips over a fail card, and everyone just immediately looks at me. <gasps> <laughs> and immediately, and I, I felt. I looked at him. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> And everyone targeted me, <laughs> and he was preventing himself from cracking up across the table. And he gave me this look like, I'm so sorry, man, but like, <laughs> too bad right now. I've, I've never felt so much betrayal in a game until that happened. And it's been an ever lot. That's going to be one of my favorite memories from now on, like, regardless of gaming, it's a memory that I'm going to have in the back of my mind where my best friend betrayed created, you. he betrayed me, but in a way that was so convincing, not a single person batted an eyelash. She's like, oh, well, of course it might be Jim. No, they were all so convinced. It was you. That somehow I, I was always statistically the spy. <laughs> it was so deep and a deep wound that I never let down. <laughs> because it was such an amazing play, and I respect him for it, but it hurt just a little bit. <laughs> that was the resistance. Definitely brings out that that uh, level of betrayal. All right, so moving on to our number one. And I hope that I'm the first one. Okay. No. Okay. So uh, we mentioned uh, dread. Yeah. We'd mentioned what, what was fuse. Uh. In suspense. In suspense. This one I dubbed Sheer Panic, and this is the first thing I thought of uh, when I had okay. to make up this list. This game induces so much stress, so much, not really dread in a sense, but panic. Because what you're doing is you're playing cards out, but you have to play them in a, a certain number set. But you don't know what you have because you everybody else does. Yeah, and this is Hanabi. Hanabi. Yeah, yeah, so I had to put this as my number one because it, it's sheer dread. I love the game, but it just gets my adrenaline pumping. I'm just like, oh god, oh god, I forgot. Was this blue? Was this one? What yeah. number was this? I'm so confused. <laughs> and so you're trying to hold your cards out in certain ways, this way you can't see them, but everybody else has. But you only have so many clues, so they can spin a clue and be like, these cards are blue. Or these cards are ones. That's right. all they can tell you. They can either tell you their number or their color value. So if I know I have three ones, I got to make sure I save those. Right. But it's just like, it's not just 
the fact that you but you have to play a card yeah. so it's not just sheer panic for me if i see another player grabbing a card that we need played <laughs> but not yet like they're they're going to throw down a four in front of them which cuts off one of the colors and so it's sheer dread, but you can't show them that. You got to try right. to keep your your facial like yeah. you can't really go. Even when they're like, "I'm positive this is red," and you're like, "That's not red." Oh no! No, you 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 have oh, to. No, <laughs> you have to keep a straight face the entire time. Yeah. But you're just dying inside. Uh, <laughs> this one for me had to go on the list. I, I enjoy this game. I don't play it a lot because I don't need to have a heart attack at the gaming table. Right. <laughs> so this is Hanabi. All right, so I'm going to be a, a, a real downer. I mean, I got, it was my number four, I think, was the last fun uh, <laughs> emotion. Like, I mean, I've had dread. I had uh, betrayal. The next one is sadness. And this was this was one of the first ones I came up with. As soon as I came up with this topic, I'm like, man, this really brings it out. And I hate to be, like, on a, on a sad note right at the very end of this list, but it does a great job of that. We we referenced this war of mine at the yeah. at the top of the podcast. This is the game that I have played that does bring out the war aspect of it. It's a much simpler game. It's the grizzled. Oh and yeah, yeah. No. So the reason I have this on my list is, is for two reasons. Yeah. Yep. And you know why? The yep. first one is the gameplay itself. Mm-hmm. It is a very difficult cooperative game. It is very simple. And it's about and World War One. It's about World War One, and the game is the theme is you're not trying to win the war. No, yeah. you're just trying. To survive. To survive and be as intact and sane as possible. Mm-hmm. With, with You have a bunch of different elements that you're dealing with, like rainfall, snow, you know, just unpleasant times. Yeah. And then on top of that, you're just emotionally trying to deal with, you know, the, the, the whistles, the gas masks, like all these symbols that yeah. are on the cards. Because you're trying not to play it where... You have three or more of the same symbol or background. And then you have to do a certain amount of uh, stack. Right, exactly. The more you keep into the next round, the more you're just going to have to deal with, which is yeah. a lot harder. And so... And you can and, only take so many... Yeah, I think it's called... Hard like, Knocks. Yeah, Hard Knocks, hard yeah. Knocks. Um, and so there's these other cards that come up called Hard Knocks that affect you and, and cause you uh, disabling factors of like, like you can only hold like two cards or you can yeah. do certain things where you can't speak and there's a lot of ways to do that and you can try and build morale by playing like a speech card to try and like you know carry people on yeah and so it's such a sad premise uh it's a great game oh, like, oh, it's don't a get phenomenal me wrong. Game. it's a really good game and i'm really glad uh simon prints it uh, and then um, they just well, printed reprinted it. it as well oh, but good. uh for a different theme and we'll get to that in a minute right but- Tell about but your it's second. a very dark one. But uh, the uh, for those who don't know, um, right after this game was released, or right before it, maybe it was real during that during that time, the artist unfortunately was murdered in the Charlie Hedbo attacks. Yeah, and so in France, in France, yeah, and there was this malicious terrorist attack that happened in there, and the artist for this game was unfortunately murdered. One mm-hmm. of the people that was doing it because I guess they drew political cartoons. Yeah, and so it. It, it this whole game has this like tattered history of like mm-hmm. not only is it a sensitive topic because World War One and but... it, and it approaches it incredibly respectfully yeah and on top of that you have like this homage to the artist who who never got to see his game 
Yeah, that's the thing is like uh, right when it got printed, he was he is already um, murdered. Yeah. So it, yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough game, and I understand why you like. I hope I go first. Yeah, but honestly, I didn't want to bring everybody down. But, but the thing really is, does. I don't I don't know how I'd bring it back up if I went after you. So. Right. Exactly. But the thing is, the people at Simon when they when they said that they were going to print this, mm-hmm. um, they said explicitly like, "Look, this is this is something that we want to help support. Yeah. This is a terrible thing that happened." And that's why we're printing these versions of it and whatever, like the Armistice Edition, all that stuff. Yeah. So if nothing else, if you can find a way to support the Armist- them, that's the Armistice that's Amish, uh, uh, edition, edition did two things. Yeah. One, I kind of like it gave it kind of like a little campaign that you can play. Right. And then it gave you useless minis. And useless <laughs> minis. Yeah. Yeah. Those they they gave you minis. Cool. They don't do anything for the game because no. it's it's at its core a card game. It absolutely. Is. So uh, I did mention that this did get reprinted. I don't know. I think it was like a limited run or something like that. Mm. They um, remade this for like healthcare workers during COVID. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they made really? I don't um mm. I don't know what it was called, but yeah, they had reprinted it. I remember hearing the story and I thought that was kinda cool. Yeah. But I think it was like a limited print run and all the money went to like healthcare workers. Seamon um, as well, I'm assuming. Yeah, and a Simon as well. And I'll have to look it up and show it to you, but yeah, yeah that one was I thought that was really cool that they did because right. one, it's a dark game as it is, but the fact that um they uh Reprinted it to honor healthcare workers during uh, the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, another really difficult time. And yeah, wow, bravo to Simon for really uh, hitting out of the park with that one. So that's been our list of. I I mean, even if, I'm getting a little like not not choked up, but like you know, just I feel less happy now <laughs> yeah. thinking about this game. And if you are listening to this podcast and you feel a little bit like that's the point. That's yeah. the point of these days. It, it does elicit response. There uh, was emotional. one that I honestly was surprised you didn't put on your list. And what's that? Um, that is the um, Underground Railroad. I did, but it the the illicit response here, it, it did, doesn't really elicit a response, but I think it's an important game that needs okay. to be played. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, it does elicit response, and it should have made my list. It was on my short list, and I thought about it. Right. Uh, because we played with uh, a mutual friend of ours who has some mental issues and stuff like that. And he had a hard time with this game because it's not just about freeing slaves, but that's all he wanted to do. Mind you, he's also um, African-American, so it's another. it touches on another topic. But it's just – it's more – this is a historical event that needs to be talked about. Right. Whereas when you're talking about the grizzled, yeah, it does hit on sadness because it's what the soldiers were going through through right. World War One, and you really feel it. Yeah, and you really game. feel it, and you as well as um, the Charlie Hebdo thing when you talk about right. that story. Whereas freedom, you you do feel it, but it's not it's not going to elicit that same kind of response because yeah. when it comes down to it, it's just cubes on a board. Right. The the only artwork really is just um, pictures, historical pictures, and the cards. Right. But it it doesn't elicit that same response. I think it's important. I think it's a game that should be taught in classrooms. I think uh, and say what you will about all, everything that's going on, what about education and stuff like that. This is something that still needs to be talked about because it yeah. hasn't gone away. Right. Absolutely. Good deal. Well. We hope you enjoyed that episode, um, and hopefully this gave you some ideas of, like, you know, new ways to look at board games and how to play them. Yeah. Um, if you want to give us ideas for future episodes, shout out and say hello, 
or even uh, contact us directly. I know I have this backwards now. Uh, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can get in contact with us on our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. If you ever want to join us on one of our live filmings, we generally film on Tuesdays more often than not. This one's a little earlier than usual. A little earlier than usual. You can join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. As well as Everything I just said, there's going to be in the descriptions on YouTube as well as the podcast. Links to everything. So we want to thank you so much for listening to this incredibly upbeat episode. (laughs) Uh, We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. Remember, every day is a good day to board game.